0: is Bloomberg Surveillance. The global consumer is actually quite strong. If you look at unemployment rates in the major economies and low interest rates. I think what's happening is people realize
1: you better be doing hiring now because you may have a tougher time down the road.
0: Saudi Arabia has lost some of its cloud in the world oil market. It's certainly a new world, and the swing producer now is the United States.
2: Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good
1: morning, everybody. It is 9 o'clock on Wall Street. I'm Michael McKee. Scarlett Fu is going to join us for this hour as we continue auditioning replacement. No, not replacements. <laughs> co host to, to fish This morning. Well, Good Lord. John Tucker and I. This is our, this is our third co host today. It takes three people to fill in for Tom Keene. Actually, it takes a fourth. We have to bring in Vinny Del Judice now because he has some economic data
0: breaking at the first word desk. You know, guys, the Pony Express rider just went by, and he looks a lot like Tom. (laughs) Let's start with housing. The S&P shiller Home Price Index up, but a bit less than forecast year-over-year, up 5.38%. Month-over-month, up 0.7%. Housing prices continue to rise. Earlier figures on manufacturing, weaker than forecast, The 0.8% increase in durable goods orders, excluding transportation, up just 0.2%. Make that down 0.2%, down 0.2%. At the Bloomberg First Word Desk, I'm Vinny Del Let's go back to New York. Thank you, Vinny.
1: Well, it is time now for the Forex Brief, brought to you by Interactive Brokers, winner of FX Week's 2015 Award for the Best Retail Forex Trading Platform. Visit IB at IBKR.com slash Forex. We're pretty much trading on central banks, and that's having some interesting effects in the markets. The Fed first up tomorrow. The Bank of Japan follows on Thursday. Right now, the Euro Up to 113.09, a big move higher as uh, the Fed not expected to do anything. The yen, 111.03, is up uh, by about two-tenths of a percent. In China, the Chinese raised the yuan reference rate, actually weakened it a little bit, which has uh, Chinese forwards down. And that's having an effect on the rest of Asia, which is uh, sort of reacting. The biggest move, the Malaysian ringgit. Down half a percent going for 3.9290. So a complicated dance in the currency markets as they get ready for central banks. Not so complicated. In the equity markets this morning, Dave Wilson. A lot about earnings today.
2: Absolutely, and let's start with the, the three companies in the Dow Jones Industrial Average that reported results. One of them's DuPont. The shares are up about two percent. The chemical company's first-quarter earnings and sales beat analysts' average estimates in a Bloomberg survey. DuPont benefited from price increases for corn seed and other farm products. The company raised its full-year profit forecast and said it expects to complete its combination with Dow Chemical in the second half and Dow shares up about 1% in early trading. 3M, Dow stock down uh, half a percent. First quarter profit, though, oh, ex- actually exceeded estimates as the company increased sales in its health care and safety businesses, so not a whole lot of movement there. Uh, neither in Procter & Gamble, uh, the shares were up about a quarter of a percent. The consumer product company's fiscal third quarter earnings beat estimates as cost cuts countered falling sales. Apple's down half a percent. The iPhone maker will release fiscal second quarter results after the close of U.S. exchanges. Apple predicted in January that revenue would fall for the first time in more than a decade. Uh, we'll also have earnings from AT&T. 18- T eBay and Twitter, among others, uh, later today, Eli Lilly down two percent the drugmaker's first quarter profit failed to meet estimates Lilly hurt by an accounting charge taken on its business in Venezuela. Revenue on the company's biggest seller, the uh, insulin homologue, uh, also failed to meet projections. Uh, Baxter International on the other hand, up 2%. The medical supplier's first quarter earnings beat estimates, uh, and Baxter's forecast for uh, second quarter and full-year profit also top projections. T-Mobile U.S., uh, another company whose results were well-received, up 2.5%. Wireless company raised subscriber growth forecasts after adding more than 1 million monthly users for the seventh straight quarter. T-Mobile reported first quarter profit and revenue beat estimates. A quick uh, summary of some other stocks moving in response to earnings. nxp conductors up 3.5%, the truck maker Packard also up 3.5%, the building equipment maker Ingersoll Rand up 4%, and on the other hand, the appliance maker Whirlpool down 6.5%, and uh, the candy company Hershey with a loss of 3% in early trading. Oh, that's very sweet of you. Oh, silence. Dun dun dun. And, uh,
1: I don't get any reaction from Dave Wilson. You get Davis, cr- J. you J. know J. what had. you get?
2: You get crickets. <laughs>
1: Thank you very much. That uh, was also the most of uh, Scarlett Fu in the background there. She is with us for the next hour. And, of course, you and I will be uh, co-anchoring our Fed special on uh, Bloomberg Television and Radio, the Fed meeting tomorrow, yeah, 2 p.m. A, a stellar uh, lineup of
3: guests to discuss what will likely be no change in the Fed's interest rate uh, policy, but we're going to dissect the language, the nuance, the communication.
1: Yes, shameless plug, watch Scarlett and I, listen to Scarlett and I tomorrow, 2 p.m. Uh, Wall Street time. Right now, we're going to talk about one of the issues that uh, the Fed is concerned about or has been concerned about, and that is what is happening in China. George Friedman is the founder and chairman of Geopolitical Futures, and he is writing about uh, the Chinese government and Xi Jinping, basically runs the country, taking on even more responsibility as he tries to move China forward. Uh, George, he is now taking control of the People's Liberation Army, which... Uh, unlike the United States, it's it's also a bit of an economic actor.
0: It's an economic actor. It's also a political actor. Uh, People's Liberation Army has two major functions. One, protect the country like a normal military. Two, provide internal security. Uh, when Tiananmen Square was crushed, it was the People's Liberation Army that did it. Fighting Xinjiang against the Islamic terrorists, it's the People's Liberation Army. Xi is terribly concerned uh, about holding on to power. Given this economic situation in China, uh, there's a social unrest. He's trying to hold on to it, and he did something extraordinary. He took control of the Joint Operations Command Center personally, and this is like the president taking control of uh, the Joint Chiefs of Staff and the operations room in the Pentagon. He is worried about the status of the PLA, and he's going to personally run it.
1: Well, The question that comes to my mind is when we have seen social unrest in other countries and the leaders of those countries have ordered the military to turn on uh, their people, they don't do it. But that doesn't seem to be the case in China, the People's Liberation Army seems willing to go along uh, with the leadership. We saw that in Tiananmen Square. Why is that?
0: Well, thus far they've gone along. But when they went into Tiananmen Square, they brought in military units from other regions And remember, China has many regions, different languages, different religions. People they brought in were essentially foreigners. But it's also a changing situation. This economic situation in China is getting worse. Uh, I'm not sure that the numbers on GDP growth are real. I'm not sure about their other numbers. But they're having substantial layoffs. People who moved to Shanghai and other coastal cities have been let go. They're going home to their villages there is tremendous poverty out there. I mean, the standard of living outside of the coastal region is below that of Bolivia. This is a very poor country. And the soldiers, particularly the enlisted people, uh, they come out of uh, the peasantry, the poverty.
3: Right. They're not from so Beijing or Shanghai. Excuse me? They're not from Beijing or Shanghai.
0: Right. Uh, they are generally from the interior. This They see this as upward mobility. And Xi is afraid of them because these are the people who didn't participate at all, over a billion of them, who didn't participate in the boom, and now know they're never going to participate in the boom. So he has to control them.
3: So, George, uh, fold in what Xi Jinping is doing with his anti-corruption purge. Mike mentioned how the PLA is an economic actor, and a significant one at that. So as Xi Jinping continues to try to weed out corruption and graft from within his government and presumably the PLA, how does that make uh, more challenging his effort to, to complete, consolidate his hold over the military?
0: Well, he calls it an anti-corruption campaign, but given that corruption is endemic, he is just about to arrest ever, anyone. It's a political purge. He is going after people in various positions who could potentially challenge him. One of his goals is that there should be no group outside the Communist Party that's well enough organized to challenge the Communist Party And that within the Communist Party, anyone who shows tendencies or has a history that might resist Xi, uh, be eliminated. And what he was doing there was intimidating the entire Communist Party, letting him know that I can arrest anyone at any time for any reason. I'll call it corruption, but that's what I'm doing. His next move is to get the next major institution in China, uh, the People's Liberation Army, under his control. That's what he's doing now.
1: George Friedman is with us. He's the founder and chairman of Geopolitical Futures. And Scarlett, the Fed has, talks so much about China, but uh, they have focused on you know the stock market and the growth figures. Right. There isn't a lot of focus, as George is talking about, on the political. And military aspect of it. Yes,
3: because so much of making sure that the stock market continues to stay buoyant is tied to making sure that the populace is not uh, uneasy and unstable and there isn't some advent of massive social unrest. So it's a huge part of the equation. And uh, I I go back to the idea that so many people think the Fed has an unofficial third mandate, Mike, which is overseas developments. And if you want to take it a little bit further, China specifically.
1: Janet Yellen, central banker to the world. Well, the world's central banker, uh, is uh, meeting with her cohorts down in Washington today. Scarlett and I will have the decision for you at 2 p.m. Wall Street time tomorrow on Bloomberg Television and Radio. It's 9:10 on Wall Street time to check in with Michael Barr and get the latest World of National Headlines.
4: Mike, Scarlett, thank you very much. Voters in five states in the Northeast have started heading to the polls. It is primary day in Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, and Rhode Island. This morning, Republican frontrunner Donald Trump accused Democratic frontrunner Hillary Clinton of using the woman car to get elected. Trump told Fox News she is pandering to the electorate Trump said he'd love to see a woman president, but that Clinton is a disaster. Meanwhile, a big win today by Clinton could put her very close to the number needed to outright win the Democratic nomination. Junior doctors in the state-run National Health Service in England started a two-day strike in protest over a new contract being imposed by Britain's health secretary. The doctors are upset over pay and conditions. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Scarlett?
1: Thank you, Michael. Well, right now we are looking ahead of the Fed and uh, ahead of the open at maybe a higher open. S&P futures up by just about four points now, two-tenths of a percent. This is Bloomberg Radio.
3: Market drivers brought to you by Celebrity Motor Car Company, the luxury of BMW, the performance of Maserati, the innovation of Lexus. Walk the red carpet and get the status you deserve at the Celebrity Motor Car Company. Visit CelebrityMotor.com.
2: Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com. The Radio Plus mobile app and on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
5: And I'm Karen Moscow, and the Bloomberg Futures Report is brought to you by Interactive Brokers and CME Group. If you're looking for global futures contracts with low trading costs, look no further. Interactive Brokers is the industry leader. Learn more at interactivebrokers.com slash CME Group. U.S. stock index futures are edging higher amid quarterly results from DuPont to JetBlue. And as investors await tomorrow's Federal Reserve policy update, we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures up 3.5 points. Dow E-mini futures up 35. And NASDAQ E-mini futures up 6. The DAX in Germany is down a tenth of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up 132nd, The yield 1.90 percent. Yield on the two-year, 0.84 percent. Nymex crude oil up 1.7 percent or 71 cents to 43.35 a barrel. Comex gold is up a quarter percent or 2.60 dollars 60 to 12.4290 an ounce. The euro at $1, dollar 13.20. The yen won 10.93. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Mike and Scarlett.
1: Caramasco, thank you very much. We're talking with George Friedman. He's the founder and chairman of Geopolitical Futures. Uh, One of the countries that is in the news uh, for a number of reasons, Saudi Arabia, its uh, relationship with Iran, its oil, and, George, now its plan to remake its economy. How stable is Saudi Arabia at the moment, and uh, how necessary is this remake?
0: The economy is stable, and the society is stable for now. Uh, What they're worried about is what's going to be like in four or five years. They're assuming the oil prices will remain at this level, or not much above it. They can't sustain their political obligations based on that. They pay various people, various tribes, and they've got to have the cash. So they're looking at something extraordinary, which is IPOing part of Aramco. And that's a huge step, because symbolically that represents the Saudi regime. They took it over in 1973, and for them to... Uh, be selling it off essentially to raise cash, uh, really is going to concern people in Saudi Arabia. So, uh, the idea that they're going to remake the economy, uh, in time to head off their problems, uh, is very unlikely. It's, you know, they're even raising $10 billion on the markets right now to cover cash flow. And that's not much money for Saudi Arabia to raise, but the fact that they're doing that is scary.
3: George, they have a timeline, a deadline built in, too, because the blueprint is called the Saudi Vision 2030. That gives them all 14 years to turn the economy completely around. Has any other country attempted something as ambitious as this and done it without a whole lot of pain?
0: Not without a whole lot of pain. The only one I can think of is Stalin's Russia, and he did that by imposing starvation on the peasants in Ukraine using the money to buy foreign equipment and it was a pretty horrible thing. The Saudis aren't going to do that. And the problem that you have is a culture that is used to not having to exert itself. So they are saying we are going to make a huge transformation of our society, in a society that has been built on the elite not having to go to much effort, and the mass pretty much being taken care of. So this is going to be really tough to do. I don't believe they're going to do it.
3: Mike, you got to wonder what this means for Saudi Arabia's neighbors
1: yeah uh, especially Iran, George.
0: Well, it puts Iran in a much better position, not that it wasn't in a good position before, but so, you know, there are four regional powers in in that area, Israel, Turkey, Iran, and Saudi Arabia. And in certain ways, Saudi Arabia is going taken itself off the table. That leaves three. Israel's not going to get involved. Iran has its own problems in Iraq. Watch Turkey. Turkey is the key player in the region in Europe as well. In the Black Sea, this is the emerging country. As for Saudi Arabia, I'd call it a fading one.
1: Well, that raises the question then of whether Turkey.
0: Well, the Turks right now are very smart. They just don't want to get involved outside the country. They don't want to be pulled into Syria like the United States wants. If the Russians mess with them, they shoot down a fighter. Uh, they're willing to accept money from the EU to house um, uh, refugees. But what they're not going to do, is exposed themselves the way the United States did in Iraq uh, to fighting so they're waiting and this is driving the United States out of the wall because they really want the Turks to commit themselves in Syria to put down the rising and they're just not going to do that
3: George do you think the US is paying enough attention to Turkey I mean devoting enough resources and and um, building the right relationships
0: well the problem is not the right relationships it's different interests The United States would like to use Turkey as its main force to stabilize Syria on its behalf. And the Turks are saying, uh, not in your life. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this for your benefit. It's not a question of relationships paying attention. Turkey has become a major power. It doesn't need a tremendous amount from the United States. We have relatively few levers, Ah. and that's a problem.
1: The uh, other question I had about Saudi Arabia is, and and this would apply to other countries in the region, but Saudi Arabia has uh, one of the more extreme forms of uh, Islam in Wahhabism. Can that be compatible with the kind of society they're talking about reforming into? Good question.
0: That's a very good question, and it's a very tough thing to do because the Wahhabis don't have as their primary goal uh, stabilizing the royal family. Uh, Some of them do. But many of them are very radical. So you have a very, a country afraid of radicalization about to make radical change, or so they think. I'd argue that Vision 2030 is PR, uh, to let the people know they're doing something, but they're going to go very cautiously. They're not going to transform the economy in that time. And this is all cover for saying, yes, we have to sell part of Saudi Aramco, but don't worry because we have plans. Well, whether they have plans or not, they're going to be selling part of Saudi Aramco, and they've got to explain why.
1: George Friedman, founder chairman of Geopolitical Futures, thanks for joining us on Bloomberg Surveillance this morning. Scarlett, uh, Saudi Aramco is going to be a very big deal. I mean, 5% of the co- company, and you uh, extrapolate that out, you get a $2 trillion Market cap.
3: Yeah, is going to remake the global oil industry for sure. I also wonder to what extent this Saudi Vision 2030, and I know George called it a bit of a PR ploy, there um, means a changing role for women in Saudi society. Will they need to be more involved? Are they going to um, be more a part of the workforce, and will their voices be heard? It's it's a big question, and as you mentioned, it may not be compatible with um, the religious strains there.
1: Yeah, it it would seem logical that you would have to do that, but um, no indication you're going to. Yes. (laughs) All right, well, we will continue. Uh, with Scarlett Fu and Michael McKee here on Bloomberg Surveillance, we'll get you ready for the opening in just a moment. It looks like we are going to open higher today. We've been about three points higher all morning in the uh, S&P futures, and that's where we are right now, about two-tenths of a percent. This is Bloomberg Surveillance on Bloomberg Radio Worldwide. We are counting down to the opening bell brought to you by the Jeep Grand Cherokee, the most awarded SUV ever. The Grand Cherokee continues to raise the bar with its luxurious interior and legendary 4x4
2: capability. Drive on at your local Jeep dealer today.